Bonjour. Hola. ¿Cómo estás? Bien. ¿Y tú? Chile. I think we switched languages there. Yeah, no. yeah, multiple yeah, times. Yeah. I don't know how we did that. No, it's French. It's French. Anyway, Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. Yes. It's episode four, five. Yes. Of oh, we're all very Good. excited. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good time. It's been a good time. And it's episode five. Coming fresh out of uh, episode 4.5. Yes, which was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we did episode four. Then we thought, oh, man, it's gonna, this is going to have a, yeah, it's it's gonna gonna have a more. bonus sizzle to it. So, but for you traditionalists, we're back this week with three topics. Here we go. Three topics that we have chosen for each other. And we had to research and discuss having previously not known much about those topics. Indeed. Indeed, that's how the podcast works. That's what we're doing here. I've got to get the die. You two fill and I'll, I'll grab that. Oh, okay. God. Yeah, we Quickly need to get the fill. die because also a, uh integral part of the podcast is the die of power. The is die of power. The three-sided die. Yeah. Imagine how that must look. It's been with us since the start. Yeah, you can't imagine how it looks, and I don't blame you, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Famously not an actually three-sided die. No. Don't tell them that. <laughs> but, um... I thought it was canon. It's... I guess it is canon, isn't it? For everyone who's an eagle-eyed listener, or well, I suppose it doesn't matter how eagle-eyed you eagle-eyed are. Eagle-eyed listener. Eagle-eared. I don't know. What hears good? What does hear good? Um, dogs. Dogs. Dog-eared. No, that means like <laughs> that means like old and ratty tatty, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Oh, um, I don't know. Lots of animals will be able a bat, to hear very a bat, well. A yeah, a bat. Yeah, sure thing. Any bat-eared listeners <laughs> uh, will know that it's actually a four-sided die, and we just ignore the number four. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've joked in the past about the world ending if we roll a four. Yes, of course we. But that Tr- means the world has ended, regardless. Yeah, multiple times. Well, yeah. but were they like uh, like all of the greatest doomsday cults will just say, "Oh well, we we got the maths wrong." Yeah, it's then... the next time we roll a four is when the world's going to end. Definitely. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about doomsday cults, listen to episode number four, three, three, two, four, four? one. It was four. No, it was four. It was it's definitely four. four. Sorry. Just you questioning it made me immediately go, oh, no, I was probably wrong. <laughs> uh, do do not doubt it? yourselves, no. Elders. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, I did, yeah. Proceed okay. with confidence. And we will have to proceed with confidence right into the meat of this episode. Mm. Um, should we do that now? But yeah. before we do that, oh. uh, just... So can, not now. Can I ask, <laughs> how, how, how are you both? How are you, Matt? I'm okay, yeah. Steve? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. And I, Joe, and all, I'm also good. Good. Nice to have established that. I'm a bit drunk. <laughs> How are you, listeners? Get in touch with mm. us on elderschamber at gmail.com. We'd or, love to hear from you. Or on Instagram at elderschamber. Send, send some well wishes to Joey on becoming a godfather for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the godfather now. We'll make him enough that he can't refuse. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, my uh, little niece slash goddaughter Sophie just got born the other day, so that's a wonderful time. I just met her for the first time today, and she, what a wonderful thing! What a wonderful thing! Tiny, tiny new life, so that's a happy time. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, should we dive into it and roll the die for another happy time? Let's roll the die. Roll it. Tre. Joe Parr. It's Joe Parr going first. Elder oh, Parr. Damn, son. Up to bat. Woo! Right, okay, so, guys. I set your subject this time. You oh. did. Um, I, I think I uh, I could probably guess why you said it, and it's because it's like a local boy done good kind yeah, of. Yeah, in a way. Localish. So, uh, Steve has set me the topic of Henry Moore, mm-hmm. the artist, the sculptor Henry Moore, uh, who's from Castleford. Yes. Not like a half hour drive from where we are right now recording mm-hmm. this podcast. When was much. he born? He was born on the 30th of July, 1898. Mm. He died at the ripe age of 88 on the 31st of August, 1986. Okay. So, throughout the 20th century, he was a he was a big figure in art. I'll tell you a little bit about him. He was born in Castleford. Yeah. He was a son of a coal miner. Oh, I. Oh, I. He was the seventh of eight children Oof. in it. And they were wow. like, they were quite poor in that. Uh, and his dad, 
was determined that all of his kids would be educated so that they didn't have to end up in the mines. That's, oh, that's oh, good. Well, that's excellent. That's what... Education was really important to him. That's, so, yeah. Henry Moore ended up going to Castleford Grammar on his second try at getting in. He got in. Nice. Uh, and he excelled at art. Art was, like, obviously his main thing. You know? Yeah. And uh, his parents were quite against it. He, they're quite against it. He wanted to they, want, they wanted to get yourself to a, well. You, know, you want yeah. to get yourself a proper job. You want to be like a doctor or like a lawyer. You don't want to do none of this sculpting. None of this fanning around with your paintbrushes with and your, your with clay. Your, with your marble and your... your, your, your oh, Henry. Oh. <laughs> if you want to mess around with clay, you can get down pits. <laughs> anyway, he went to Castleford, Castleford Grammar Um yeah, no, his parents saw it as, like, manual labour, basically, okay. which was part of the reason they were against it. They were oh, like, right. why don't you use your brain? It's manual labour, making, like, statues and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, there's, like, no money in it, yeah. too. Um, but he kept at it, and by the end of his time there, he became a student teacher, and then a teacher, like, before he... Before, uh, of like, sculpture. Like, um, I... I assume of sculpture, the article just said he became a teacher. I assume it was like mostly art he was teaching because obviously it was Henry Moore. Um, but then at the age of 18, he joined the army because it was the First World War. Ah. Oh, dear. He was the youngest man in the Prince of Wales' own Civil Service Rifles Regiment. Mm-hmm. And then in, uh, on, on the 30th of November 1917, he got injured in a gas attack. Oh, my. At Berlin Wood in France. Is from the gas. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Oh God! God I did damn not it. expect that to be that loud. Oh, I shot my. I will have edited that out of the thing for the listeners. So right. sorry. Oh my God! <laughs> That's what it's like in war, though. Yeah, that was yeah. a bit real. Yeah, I feel like Jesus Henry Moore. Christ. All right. Okay, so. <laughs> so in 1919, uh, well, he spent the rest of the war basically as a physical training instructor. That's what yeah. He did. And in 1919, he started at the Leeds School of Art. Now, of course, Boom. Leeds Arts University ah. has recently changed to that. And uh, did he start teaching there? No, no, no. Oh, but he just, but he, he just started a student, a student there. Yeah. But get this, get this. They had set up a studio specifically for him. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Specifically, like for so they knew, like, oh, this guy is like a sculpting genius, you know. And they yeah. set up a studio specifically for him. That's really dope, I think. Uh, it was there he met as well uh, Barbara Hepworth, who was also a very famous sculptor. Yeah. It was like a, a lifelong friend and sort of friendly rival as well yeah. to him, like throughout yeah. his whole career kind of thing. In uh, 1921, they both won a scholarship, as well as some other artists from around Yorkshire, to study at the Royal College of Art in London. Ooh. So he went there, and it was all very hoity-toity, highfalutin, fancy-pantsy kind of stuff. He had to, like, you know, make lots of Victorian-style boring things. and uh, Victorian-style boring things. Yeah, what? you know, just like, you know, like... Makers sta- are... Statues that look like people. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want to make... Like busts. Yeah. Like, but yeah, 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 yeah. Just, like, you know, make this, like, a realistic statue and stuff. And he was, like, a, you know, like a punk rock sculptor rebel kind of guy. <laughs> and he was like, nah, screw that. Uh, he was into a movement called primitivism, mm-hmm. which was basically like, um, you know, carving everything with like, you know, your ha- you know, hands and like yeah. tools and stuff and like not using any machines to do anything. And, uh, and he was into a method called direct carving, which was like very much just like, you know, carving things like yeah. directly. Um, and imperfection, indirect carving, like the imperfections become part of the sculpture. That's like a big part of it. Mm. So it, is, it does have, some, I think it does have some parallels to like, I don't know, like say lo-fi indie rock kind of stuff. Like some, you know, yeah, I can the, the kind of stuff where they around. record it and you can hear like, you know, the drummer dropping his sticks or whatever. Yeah. Or like the, 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 the singer goes like out of tune or whatever. It's like that kind of thing. But in terms of sculpting, I think it's a really cool kind of thing. Yeah. Um, at one point in the Royal College of Art, he was asked to recreate a relief, which a relief is like a sort of like... And a picture sculpture kind of thing. So it's like yeah. a 3D picture. Like you sculpt the picture onto a flat surface. Like a mural. Like a mural, but the stuff is like coming out of the frame. Yeah. Is you it know? just from the perspective of the painting? Just like, from like, you look at it. You just because it it's, and a, it's like, like a statue. It's like a... Painting. Oh, so it is actually 3D. Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah. a raised picture. Like yeah. The picture's yeah. like raised off of the thing. Oh, it's hard to explain what that is. 
Uh, but anyway, he was asked to do that using a pointing machine. He was meant to recreate like this old relief, like an, like an old Italian thing, uh, using a pointing machine. It was, it was like a sculpting machine. It was like something okay. they used to uh, help them sculpt like realistic things. Right. The madman only went and direct carved that stuff. The absolute so just, mad lad. The absolute mad, mad lad. lad. He's he only just, gone and done it. He just did it direct carving. He, he even marked the surface of it with tiny prick marks to make it look like he'd used a pointing machine. Ah. So that, like that guy was the master. Not only was he rebelling and being like, I'm not using this machine you want me to use, he was going like, I'm rebelling in such a weird, freaky way that I'm gonna make it look like I used, I used the, machine the machine you that you asked me. Yeah. So Did they believe that he had done? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what became of that particular assignment. But uh, he ended up being Henry Moore, so I think it, he, yeah, it, all, it, all, okay. it all went okay in the end. I'm sure it did. Uh, anyway, after that, he got he got a travelling scholarship in 1924, which sounds like the chillest thing ever. Yeah. He basically just got to go to Northern Italy and uh, Paris and places like that and just soak up the arty vibes. Wow. Then someone was paying for that. Just got to do that nice. stuff on a scholarship. He's got to go to like Europe and like you know See, go around. That, that's the sort of thing we need from our sponsorship. It is, yeah. Yes, and if you are interested in sponsoring us, mm-hmm. just contact us at elderschamber at gmail dot com or uh, uh, we, we've already done this. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, back when he he returned to London after that <laughs> and he started teaching at the Royal College College of Art because of course you freshly know, endowed with a lot of arty, lots of girthy art yes. knowledge. <laughs> Sorry, back. Steve. I he just came said back that. Swinging. I just said that as soon as Steve took a swig of his drink. Yes. And it almost went. <laughs> it almost went himself. everywhere. Girthy art knowledge. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he uh, around this time he also married his wife, oh, Irina Rodetsky, a no. Ukrainian immigrant and painting student at the Royal College of Art. Ooh, Henry Moore marrying his students. Ooh, yeah. no, don't do that nowadays. No. Was she one of his students if she was a painter? Uh, I, I, she probably wouldn't have been. I imagine he probably would have taught sculpting, wouldn't he? Uh, but anyway, they lived in Hampstead uh, among a load of uh, avant-garde artists. Like It was like a little like nest, like a colony oh, okay. of avant-garde artists, like all living on like the same road, basically. Just, just like Haddon Avenue. Yeah. Ah, kind of. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, in the 1930s, his art, um, inspired by multiple trips abroad and meetings with other artists such as Picasso and Georges Braque, people like that. He began getting like weirder and more surreal, more abstract yeah. with his art. What did he sculpt? So, like, the main thing Henry Moore's known for sculpting is sort of his reclining figures. Yeah. You will have seen some, because there's some in Leeds just outside the Henry Moore... Museum. Museum. Yeah, the Henry Moore Institute. Yeah, yeah, which I went to yesterday, and I'll, I'll get into uh, later on. The first subject I've done where I've actually done a fuel trip. Right? Oh. Uh, pretty oh. good, right? But uh, anyway, uh, the reclining figures, um, according to some art critics, are meant to sort of evoke the uh, sort of rolling hills of his oh, homeland okay, of yeah. Yorkshire. I see, yeah, like, yeah. Way some, I see. and like, if you look at the majority of his sculptures, like, a hell of a lot of them are these reclining figures, like, you know, they're yeah. really abstract, kind of like, not quite human-shaped bodies, but they are like, you know, meant to be humans, and they're like, all, you know, usually yeah. reclining. Yeah. Uh, so that's what he's mostly known for. Um, it's around this time that he started making stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in World War Two, World War Two hit. And he had to leave his teaching post. He was uh, at this point at the Chelsea School of Art. And uh, it was during World War Two that he, um, outside of sculpture, started getting into drawing. Well, I mean, I say getting into. He probably, like, he definitely drew quite a lot already. Yeah. But he started doing some of his most famous drawings around this time of people hiding in the London underground from okay. the bomb attacks and stuff. He, he drew a lot of stuff of, like, Londoners in the Blitz and things like that. Yeah. And he also drew uh, a lot of uh, coal miners. Okay. As well. And he's regarded as some of, like, the top, like, during the war paintings kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, then in September 1940, his house 
was hit by bomb shrapnel. Uh-huh. His house just, in Hampstead. Luckily, just burnt the shrapnel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they moved to a farmhouse in a place called, get this, Hoglands. Hoglands, where's that? It's in Perry Green, Hertfordshire. Uh-huh. And he lived the rest of his life there at Hoglands. Oh. Did he like it that much? He lo- Yeah, he liked it that he much. He loves too. the Hoglands. Yeah. Anyway, uh, after the war, uh, they had a baby, him and his wife, after... Numerous attempts or a few miscarriages. Very sad, obviously. Mm. Um, Well, he had a baby around the same time as his mum died. Mm. So at this point, like his art took on a lot of like family elements. Like he was doing like a lot of sculptures of families and things like that. Um, And he was getting really big as well. uh, Getting into the late forties and fifties and stuff is you know is. He he he, start, he started like stopping direct carving and like right. getting like um, assistance in to help him do these big, big scale sculptures that he was now getting commissioned to do. I bet uh, they're impressive. Really impressive. He, you know, in in the fifties, he uh, started getting really big commissions, and he was like basically a worldwide celebrity and like yeah. the face of British modernism. And he was like, he he built a really big reclining figure outside the UNESCO building in Paris. Uh, and stuff like that, making loads of money, and basically for the rest of his life, that was just what he did. He just nice. like you know made massive sculptures, made a load of money and stuff. He had a uh, he had an alright life, I guess. Apart know, from the gas attack. Apart from the gas World attack. Well, yeah, but he could say like, but yeah, that, I was a veteran as well as being like prob- a don at sculpture. Yeah, that gas attack probably saved his life because it meant he had to spend the rest of the war in a field hospital yeah that is true probably didn't go over again that is true but anyway i'll tell you about some of his best sculptures or some of his biggest and like most well-known sculptures there's a really good one called nuclear energy which is at the university of uh, chicago yeah which is basically it's really cool it kind of looks like a big mushroom cloud sort of like almost like a skull at the top it's a really cool sculpture google image search it google image all of these anyway uh there's one called knife edge two-piece Near the Houses of Parliament. So that's Ooh. a big commission. You know, do, yeah. do us a sculpture by the Houses of Parliament. It's yeah. huge. Uh, there's one called Large Two Forms, which uh, was in the forecourt of the German Chancellery in, in Bonn, mm. in the capital of West Germany at the time. Oh. Massive. Like, big commission. So, like, he made a load of money off this kind of stuff. But the thing was, he was always a really frugal guy. Like, his place in Hoglands... It wasn't particularly massive. It wasn't like he was living in a mansion or anything. He never saw the need to. So he had all this excess money. So in 1972, because he was sick of giving it all to the tax man, he set <laughs> up the Henry Moore Trust to protect his estate from the tax man, basically. Yeah. And then in 77, he established the Henry Moore Foundation, which uh, promotes education uh, and stuff and uh, appreciation of the fine arts, particularly Henry Moore's works. And... Uh, it's based. It's in Hertfordshire, like where he lived. Like yeah. I think his old estate is like a big museum and stuff, and there's like some museums and stuff. Uh, and of course, in Leeds, where we are, mm-hmm. there's the Henry Moore Museum. Yeah. Indeed. Which I went to yesterday. It's uh, a good time. It's bigger than you think, isn't it? It's great. I was a bit disappointed at um, <laughs> the lack of. Uh, I thought there was going to be more Henry Moore sculptures. Yeah, no, it's, it's more they more rotate like an, out a gallery. Was, yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. I, there were some. Don't get me wrong. There's the one outside which is great. There's a reclining yeah. figure outside, and then there was a uh, a mother and child one inside, quite a small one as well, which was quite cool to see because I could go proper up yeah. close to it. Yeah, and that was quite cool. He around the time he was doing uh, a lot of families in the early fifties, he was also doing a lot of mother and child kind of things. Okay, yeah. Um, he was even commissioned to do like a a. Virgin Mary and Jesus one at one point I forget who by but uh, it was a good time there was an exhibition on by I think she's called Renee So who's an Asian artist who um, it's really really cool stuff she uh, is based around I forget the word but it's like a word for an old bearded drunk man and it's stuff okay. she like a lot of the painting it's not paintings they're like pieces made of fabric so she's like knitted together like pictures of this or like old drunk man in a hat and stuff it, it was a good time at the henry moore gallery uh, i suggest you go if you are ever in leeds there's some really good sculpture in there it's some really cool stuff and there's some good drawings it's not just sculpture and if it, you like art just go there it's connected to the leeds art gallery anyway. it, it, it's connected to the leeds art gallery there's in such a way that you, if you walk around one, you will yeah. inevitably just wander into the other. Yeah, there's like a little bridge over to it. Yeah. It's a great place. Definitely go. 
anyway, I'll just finish off with uh, telling you about uh, some of the... Um, well, well, actually, no, I'll finish off with that. Just a Ooh, little bit of teasing. Ooh, teasing. A bit of teasing. Finish you off with some a bit of uh, thefts theft of his work. I'm ready but for Henry But before that, Moore. I'll just let you know, he was a lifelong socialist, Henry Moore. Ah. I suppose being a coal miner's son and everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's not really. Doesn't he... seem like a person who no. particularly craved. No, exactly. Northern man. Well, Northern yeah. man. Yorkshire born and bred. In 1951, he was offered a knighthood. Turn it down. Turned it down. Mm, take some cojones. Yeah, he turned that stuff down. Did he say why? Was it a statement? Yeah, he said he thing? said he didn't want to be part of the establishment. Mm-hmm. He said that's literally what like the reason he gave. Uh, at the end of his career, he was the world's most successful living artist at auction. Mm. And currently, he's the second most expensive 20th century British artist after Francis Bacon. Oh, I thought you were going to say, uh, what's his name? Hockney. Yeah. Also, Yorkshire. Mm. David Hockney. I don't know where he comes in the list, but also a Yorkshire artist. How about that? Yeah, big ups. Big ups, Yorkshire. Anyway, I talk about some thefts of his work just to finish you off with. <laughs> oh, in December 2005, a two-ton reclining figure, cold reclining figure, 1969 to 70. AKA your mum. Sorry, I thought you were just... <laughs> Thought you were describing the burglar then. No, a no. tall reclining figure <laughs> crept into the gallery. Anyway, this this piece was insured for three million pounds. It was lifted by crane onto Ooh. a flatbed lorry from the grounds of the Henry Moore Foundation in Hertfordshire. Okay, it has not been recovered since. How okay? big? Okay, uh, how big do you say this was? Two tons. Two right? tons. What? Who's keeping that hidden? Well, the. Officials say that they reckon it was probably sold for scrap fetching. They estimate around five grand. I don't know why they got sold that idea. Or, I don't know why they got idea. Why they got that idea, or why they're so specific about the amount of money. I hope one of them wasn't involved. Well, they'll know how much it is worth. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? Um, me? Well, it's a possibility they could have taken it for scrap. Shut to... the fuck up! Shut up. <laughs> You've ruined us. Uh, anyway, in 2012, two men two. were jailed for oh, stealing shit. Sundial, a 1965 piece from the Henry Moore Foundation, again, worth £500,000. Were they trying to sell it on? Um, yeah, I think so, but they were caught. They were caught, though. No. Ah, better look next time. Boys. Yeah, and then in uh, October 2013, standing figure, a 1950 piece, worth £3 million was stolen from Glenkiln Sculpture Park in Scotland. Ooh. And I forgot what came of that. <laughs> and right. that's it. And, and on that note. I, I just I just wanted to bring up the thefts because how crazy is it? Like, a two-ton sculpture. Yeah, who... Sold would, for scrap. Like, art, art heists are risky, but, like, stealing a two-ton sculpture? Why has no one made a film? About that, surely. Maybe it's really boring. Maybe it was such an easy crime for the... They, for like, they just pulled up. They just pulled up, picked well, it up yeah. with a crane and got out of there. Yeah, no, Kev. They picked it up with a crane, put it on a flatbed truck and drove away. I guess it was the kind of thing. No one ever thought they would steal something like that. They never protected it as if it yeah. would get stolen and then it got stolen. Can you imagine the next, much... the next day one of the employees turning mm. up and being like, where's the... Where's reclining figure 1969 to 70? I don't oh, know. No. Oh, no, I've oh, got no. a bad feeling about this. <laughs> so how much, did they say how much that was worth? Uh, reclining figure 1969 yeah. to 70, it was worth... A fair few bob. Oh, a fair few bob indeed, oh aye. It was insured for £3 million, so and I don't know how much it was worth. it for five grand. Allegedly. That's Allegedly. what the officials uh, assume had happened. Because it's a kind smells, of thing. Something smells fishy such, about all that. Such a massive two-ton sculpture, how could you hide it? It, yeah. It's either sold for scrap or it's in like some billionaire's mansion that imagine the police if, have never stepped foot in. Imagine yeah. if in the future, Joe, you you know, you meet a nice girl, you go to a parent's house for dinner, and in the living room is recri- <laughs> reclining figure nineteen sixty nine to seventy. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> <laughs> you 
bit to tell you what that would impress the parents if you walked into the room yeah, and went, is that reclining figure 1969 and No, I, I wouldn't bring it up. They might like tie me to a chair and that. Yeah, there's millions at stake here. Yeah. Or maybe you just like, look at the dad and be like, I really like Henry Moore. <laughs> and then and just leave no, it you at that. yourself away there. You need, yeah, to, yeah, just, you need been... to just probe and be like, oh, this is an interesting, massive tombstone <laughs> statue you've got in your living room. I just act like I knew nothing about art. What's I'd be like, about? is this like a mad table or what is it? like? Yeah. Why is it so big? Uh, well, thank you for that, Joe. Very informative. <laughs> You're welcome. I will be right back after this. Hi. You're listening to the Chamber of the Elders. Welcome back. Hello again. Hello again. Such creepy sting. What's that weird singing in the background? Is that like it's a ghost? A, a, a monk. A I monk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, right, well you, you know monks creep me out. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about your monk phobia. Let's go for this die roll. What is it? Number two, Matthew. Hen. That's me. Numero dos. Um, who? Which one of you two set me? It would have been Joe, I believe. Oh yeah, Hooters. Hooters. The restaurant Hooters. Hooters. Yeah, what was on your mind when you sent me Hooters? <laughs> you can just keep pressing that. Yeah, just that keep pressing that all the way the through. The whole way through this I section. Think, I think when I sent you this, uh, Steve had... Uh, you, you, rather, had already set Steve his topic, which, um, which we'll, find we'll get out. to yeah. later, but of, uh, one of the syllables of which is who. So yes. I think I was just playing off that. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Hooters. Mm. And also, you know, it's, it's a pretty interesting thing, especially in in these days of, like, you know, Me Too and um, that kind of thing. Because <laughs> there's the whole objectifying women argument on one side, but then there's the female empowerment argument on the other side. Like, you know, people who work for yeah. Hooters, I'm sure, are like, well, for, for... why can't we waitress in skimpy yeah. clothing? And yeah, I think for... it's especially odd to us as British boys, especially odd because we don't have hooters over here. No, we. If you there is a hooters the... in Sheffield. Is that? I can't hear you. Yeah. Oh wait, now think about it. I think there's one in Nottingham as well. Yeah, there might be one in Nottingham as well. But the but idea for, of for going those... to one is creep is, is odd to me. You think? Well, for, for those weird. of you who don't know what hooters is, it's a chain of restaurants that's like from America, um, where the main sort of like draw is that all the waiting staff are like young attractive women and they're dressed like in like sort of revealing athletic outfits and their their mandate is to be especially flirty and personable mm-hmm. with you you know by so, outfits it's like short shorts and like small t-shirts yes like, yes yeah. there's lots of like it's like, like a tank top it's like a women's basketball kit from like 1974 like really tight and short yeah they play up the sex appeal don't they mm. of the staff um, right, it's their whole appeal some some men have uh, launched legal suits against Hooters for gender discrimination on employment grounds because they only hire women, really. And so Hooters nowadays has the official line that they do hire men uh, for roles such as busboys and managers, c- cooks and hosts. Although you go to a it Hooters anywhere, serving. you will not be served by a dude. No. Okay. It would be funny, though. Imagine like, t- like a, a bunch st- of lads going to like a stag they, do, they, like a stag yeah. do, <laughs> and then like some dude comes up. You're right, lads. What can I get you? With uh, like a really tight thing revealing his pecs, he, or like, his bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he bend. He drops. Bent. Drops his pencil and bends over. Damn. I thought the uh, the top of the Wikipedia article for the for Hooters was funny because it because it clarifies that the Hooters name is a double entendre. Referring to both its owl logo, a bird known for its hooting calls, and an American slang term for women's breasts. Do you know where the term hooters comes from? What, you mean the term referring to women's breasts? Mm. Is it from like a car horn, like a hooter? I was thinking it would be from like some common sexual assault that would have happened around like the 50s where they hoot the women's boobs without their consent. No, no, it comes from Saturday Night Live. Oh, Saturday Night Live from Steve Steve Martin's monologue during a 1980 episode where at one point he says uh, I believe it's derogatory to refer to a woman's breasts as boobs, jugs, Winnebago's or golden bozos and that you should refer- only refer to them as hooters and that ooh, ooh. knocking my microphone that was the uh, initial the genesis yeah. well who are, who are we to disagree with Winnebago's. Steve Martin yeah Winnebago's is kind of that's a bit. You said, Steve, that the thought of going to one is weird for you. 
Yeah. Why is that? Because... I've never been and don't really have a particular interest in going, but... Yeah, no, but, like, <clears throat> I feel like Britain's... British servers association with the customers is completely different. I think I've yeah. find American servers overbearing anyway, regardless. And who is is that taken to the extreme? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I I don't think it's it's not uncommon as far as I'm aware in a hoot is for a waitress to like sit down at the table to take yeah. your order and be all like, "Ooh, what are you going to get?" You know, I think even if I was a, a hooters and the waitress waitress sat down at the table, I think I'd go, "What what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Why have you? Yeah, I like okay. I, I've hey heard there. people like I've heard like stand-ups like complain about that before. Like American stand-ups, like oh, yeah. you know when like a waiter sits down at your table and you're really awkward. I'm like, what fucking restaurants are you going yeah, to? Wait, what the hell? Imagine, imagine. It's like a whole there's like a whole school of thought. Like you know, like if you ever had a waiter that crouches right at the edge of the table. And puts their notepad on the table, but it's like right by their chin. What, like you're a toddler? Yeah, and then like getting below you, it's all like meant to be like customer service. Ooh, oh, we're, we're, so you want basic... the cheese fries? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'm not just your server, I'm your best friend. Oh. And I'll, I'm going to sort you out. <laughs> Hooters do want to sort you out, don't they? Yeah, they do. Ah, oh, well, do they? Is that a thing? <laughs> not in that way. It's no, not... but has there ever been like, what, like, a... like scandals? <laughs> not that I've scene you, you, they, do you mean in keep... terms of like mistreating bet, the, the girls i bet in terms of restaurants the, the list of people barred from hooters is longer than any other chain restaurant yeah that's the kind of yeah, thing yeah, they, mean, don't, yeah. they don't stand for like letting customers be dickheads um, as they should inappropriate with the staff as they shouldn't but what i'm saying is it's like the closest you can get to a strip club while still being able to order chicken wings <laughs> i suppose yeah that's the uh sort of that side of it that they'd probably Focus dispute on well, dispute. your optics on. So I guess not only are you getting perverts, you're getting like the most fat and gross perverts. <laughs> they want to be seen as like a good, friendly fun time, I think. Uh, not a family friendly fun time though. Well, the, I was reading some like interviews with Hooters girls and stuff, and one thing that came up in a couple of them were that it's weird when like a man comes in with a, and brings his wife, and, oh. and like a lot of the time the wife is like proper weird with them. Oh yeah. And and it's like why is why, why would you bring your wife here? Maybe they're swingers, maybe. But the, the a lot of these wives didn't seem into being at a Hooters into it, and it's like well, not, yeah, that is get, that is weird. They're not going to get a good tip. Did you know Hooters has a charity called the Hooters Community Endowment Fund? Oh yeah, Ooh. what did, what or, did they endow? Oh well, that's shortened to Hoosef, like UNICEF. Oh right. <laughs> they do they just do loads of like I mean that's. Charity work. You find it's a lot of breast cancer research. companies like that. They'll do a lot of charity work. Breast cancer research because that's their main priority. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're protecting. That's why you have got to check them, Joe. Yeah, yeah. If any of our female listeners do check your uh, breasts for lumps, because yeah. mm-hmm. breast cancer is real and it is a real issue, and the uh, male listeners um, do check your your bits, check your testicles. You never know if there might be a lump, and if you catch it early, you can get it sorted out. Yeah. Sorry, go on, Matt. Um, no, no, that's good. I was just going to say that the, the Hooters do a calendar every year and it's like the most popular one. Ooh. And all the months are out of the order. The most popular one? Like the most popular calendar? It has been. One of the best like, calendars in the world. Because yeah. there's like a hell of a lot yeah, of yeah. calendars. No, no. You reckon that's like one of their like primary sources of income, the calendar? I don't know if it's the primary source of income, but well, I'm obviously sure the restaurant the, would be their well, primary the res- source. The restaurant, but like, you know, one of their main secondary sources of income then. Maybe, I, mean, I reckon t-shirts would probably They sell well, about yeah, half a million best, every year. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. That's what, I want like 10 bucks a pop or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that's a no, it'd be a bit more than that nowadays. Yeah, probably like 20 half bucks. Half a million. They mm-hmm. always put the months out of order in it. So Why? That you have to flick through it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. <laughs> Oh, you dirty dogs! It's pretty, it's pretty good to be fair. You dirty dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, they always teach all the women who work there how to draw an owl with ketchup. Like the owl is oh, the right, Hooters logo. Because yeah. so that's what it's about. Apparently, it's about, owls. it's about owls. What are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about how to draw an owl out of ketchup. A restaurant for oh. owling. I guess that that's to entertain the kids. Did <laughs> it? Can you have like like you can have a McDonald's birthday party? Can you have a Hooters birthday, Hooters birthday party? party? Uh, and be entertained. Well, the Hooters call the girls entertainers, not like wait staff. I bet that's. I bet really? it'll be some legal thing. They'll, no, they'll it? do that so that they can fire them for their looks based on their looks. Like if they're putting on too much weight, uh, okay. because you're you're a model essentially. Okay, I under. Mm. 
I also it's a bit read shady, that yeah. Hooters was formed on April Fool's Day in 1983, and the six guys who initially invested yeah. in it did not believe it would take off. Shares they they thought this is us. like some tacky shit. Are you kidding? <laughs> so and that, Hooters is like the most successful April Fool's joke of all time. Yeah, you could think of it that way, yeah, if you wanted. It's yeah, like, like an more... April Fool's joke that just kept on going and yeah. became a real restaurant. Restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yes, restaurant. Yeah. That's a good term. I like that. Who came up with that? I just saw it in one of these trivia articles I've been researching in. And yeah. No matter how you feel about Hooters and what they do, you got You it. have to agree. <laughs> yeah, you have to admire the term restaurant. Someone put the work in for yeah. that portmanteau. <laughs> okay. And it, it, it is begging to be appreciated. If we're ever in Vegas, we could stay at the Hooters Casino. The, he- the Hooters Casino and Resort Hotel. Yeah. Well, all the croupiers, like. Yeah, well, they're all Hooters guys. Boobiers, no. Oh no! Come on, I mean, yeah, uh, come on. That's, <laughs> well, it's not bad. We'll allow it. Off there was the cuff. there was also a Hooters airline where. <laughs> Fuck off! No, I'm not joking. If you Google it, listeners, but look, here's a picture of a Hooters airplane. Oh god. Oops, sorry, hitting the mic again. Where, where the wait, where, you know, the, the flight staff would be Hooters girls. They'd Even have genuine the flight staff and Hooters girls on on board, just as like, um, like concierge and. For goodness' sake. For all these. Um, so yeah, oh uh, we're God. gonna have breakfast at Hooters for your. Uh, what do they call it? They call it bachelor party, don't they? Your bachelor party to Chad. Uh, we're gonna go to Chad. Hooters for breakfast. Then we're gonna get a uh, Hooters charter flight out to Vegas, and we're gonna stay in the Hooters uh, Resort Hotel and Casino. Oh man, I can't wait to see all those owls. <laughs> I know you love owls. You're in your ornithology. <laughs> There's lots of myths that hooters are a lot more like restrictive on hiring people than they are. It's like you know the myth is that you have to have massive boobs yeah. and be like really, really sort of like attractive in a yeah. stereotypical way. But that's not the case. They, they, they basically the bar is you have to be a pretty lady. That's it. They're not going to be like your boobs are too small or. Yeah, it's all objectification though, which a lot of people don't, yeah. don't, no, don't like. No, of course. I mean, but you like know, you said earlier, the flip side is a lot of the women who work for Hooters are like, "What? <laughs> I'm not." <laughs> I was just gonna bring up as a counter example, uh, Viaduct Show Bar, uh, which is a, a wonderful gay bar down in Leeds on Cole Lane. If you've not been, definitely go. But like on weekends, all their bar staff are hot guys just in boxer shorts. Yeah. yeah. They all have abs. They all have pecs. It's the same thing, isn't it? It's the same thing, just for women. I mean, we'd and get hired there, but gay people. not everyone. Yeah, we'd no, we hired. would not get hired yeah, there. Yeah, we no, would. We'd I think work. the listeners can't see what we actually look like. So there, therefore, but... we can tell them yeah. whatever we want. Yeah, we'd get hired there with our <laughs> six packs. Oh yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I'm surprised they can't hear our muscles down the <laughs> down the mic. C- can you hear that? <laughs> I- I'm flexing at the mic. Can you? <laughs> No, um, but um, anyway, so that's a kind of counter example, but you have to take into account the fact that Hooters have their own airline. They don't anymore. Okay, they don't anymore. Is it like Trump Airlines folded very quickly? Not as tacky as Trump Airlines. No. This is Hooters. We're, we're several steps above Trump in terms of, <laughs> terms of class. There's um, some quotes I got from um, a woman who was interviewed who used to work at Hooters. Oh, uh, please. The, the pros of working at Hooters, better tips than the average restaurant, very flexible schedule, more laid back and fun. Oh, I imagine that, yeah, like she said, the tips would be yeah. exceptional at Hooters, I would imagine. You've got to deal with some you. pervs, not as many as you'd think, but that is a thing. But then there's also regulars who you, who you but, can milk. Well, this, this lady also said the cons of working at Hooters are the stereotype that comes along with it. And of like course. it affects like I suppose yeah, a social situation yeah. where uh, oh what are you? I'm an astrophysicist. What do you do? Oh, well, she oh, says, I then... guess it's the kind of thing you wouldn't really want on your CV too much. Well, I the guess guy, I, I mean, guess you'd have to argue that employers should look past the stereotype and just yeah, the job yeah, itself. Is... Could, they should. Yeah, yeah. Should be in the optimum word. She also said they're not allowed to wear nail polish. The sneakers are a pain in the ass to clean. They're not allowed to wear nail polish. I guess not for food food hygiene reasons. I imagine. Oh, I suppose. Did you also know that Hooters is launching in Asia? Oh, All over ooh, Asia. that sounds like risky. Well, in certain there's parts some articles saying that... What do, you, what do you mean? Well, isn't it like some parts of Asia are a bit more prudish? Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming more... you mean more the Far East and not the Middle East. 
Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. not going to have like an Abu Dubai. No, no. That's what I was US. thinking. Yeah, no, we're talking like Thailand and <laughs> Japan. Baghdad Hooters. Japan and China and, and stuff. Yeah, I was saying, I was, as soon as I said, I was like, yeah, Japan, I can East, see that easily. East Asian. Yeah. yeah. Japan, I'm surprised there's not one there already. Surely there's one in Japan. Well, there is, I think, by now. Yeah. There's like 19 locations across Asia. Some of them have already started. You remember that South Park episode with raisins? No. No? Raisins. Do you not remember that? It's kind of messed up thinking back on it. There was like a, in the South Park episode, there was a restaurant that the uh, get kids from the elementary school staffed. So like all the waitresses, they were all the girls from like Stan and Carl and Cartman and Kenny's class. And it was called Raisins because instead of who is Raisins. Oh, cause, yeah. Because oh. they're kids and they don't have boobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it is. It It is what it is. It is what it is, and Butters falls in love with one of them, and, oh, he, yeah. and he doesn't realise that she's of just course. being nice to get tips. Of course, I remember now. Yeah, you of remember cl- now. Classic Butters. Oh, oh Butters. Butters. See, Butters is the sort of fella who I feel is Hooters' main demographic. You know, all yeah. this time we haven't actually talked about the food at Hooters, <laughs> which is generally... Oh, my re- God! Which is generally regarded as better than you'd think. Okay, mm. so what, what do they serve? Is just like wings okay, and let, ribs and things? Yeah, let me bring up my... Uh, wings and ribs and my things. Little thing. Wings and ribs are a, a core component. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Pretty, that's I'm a good sure. restaurant name. If we ever do a wings and ribs restaurant, let's call it wings and ribs and things. It is good. I always thought if I opened up a restaurant, I'd call it yeah. Pa's Poultry Palace. The, the menu includes hamburgers, other sandwiches, steaks, seafood, appetizers, and their specialty is chicken wings. So Joey, Ooh. as a connoisseur, mm. I feel like a trip to Hooters is within your wheelhouse in the future, just for the wings, though. You yeah. know what? I think we owe it to the chickens to go. For the owl's yeah. wings. For the chicks. Woot, woot. And tips. Big tips. tips. Big tips. Big, Big tips. tips Big old tippies. Big massive tips that can barely be contained. <laughs> there was a myth about Hooters that like they made the women stand against the wall, and if their breasts touched the wall before their feet or their nose, they were automatically hired. That's the sort of level. Any of, of that true? No, apparently no. not. That no. just of course sounds not, like a joke be, that like Mad Magazine illegal. or something yeah. would have ran back or like in the, the day. Onion. Or... But you know all these yeah. American dudes wanting to believe it. They see something on their old Facebook wall and they're like, ah, oh, that's the damn truth You've there. seen them ladies now. Dude, Hooters. you heard of that Hooters? I heard they line them up against the wall Ooh. and if their boobs touch the wall before their feet, they're hired. Oh, yeah. So you mean there's no taking into account of their faces? That means my <laughs> Uncle Kev's in with the train. And on that note... Yeah, I think we could wrap it up we'll there for Hooters. Maybe if we ever go as, as a group... We'll do a special podcast live from oh, Hooters. Yeah. And we'll bring Uncle Kev and see if he gets hired. <laughs> we'll be right back with hey, after this. Hey, wise guy. I'm listening to the podcast now. And the best one by far, Chamber of the Elders. Are we going back to the pub? We're going back to the pub. Oh, shit. Where how did, how did we people? get here? Where did they all come from? Yes. Welcome to the pub quiz, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Pens and papers at the ready. Oh, oh. sugar. All right. Smartphones. So my subject, as Joe alluded to earlier, has a who in it, and it is Doctor Who. Wait, are we doing a pub quiz based on Doctor Who? Because I am going to lose. No, you should be fine, I think, Joe. I took this into account. Well, I beat Matt on Spider-Man, to be yeah. fair, and he used yeah. to be working at comic Well, books. this is what I thought. Like, like Spider-Man. Uh, much like Spider-Man, I think a lot of our listenership are going to immediately know it who Doctor Who is and what Doctor Who is. For those that don't, it is a BBC television series about a Time Lord and his human companions' journeys through time and space. And if you don't know what the BBC is, it's the British Broadcasting Company. It's like yes. the main channel here in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran from 1965 to 1989, then it got cancelled. There was a 1996 film revival, which didn't work, and then a 2005 TV revival, which did. And it's been going ever since. And it's been going ever since. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Lots of aliens and running about and... Yeah. To fill the gaps, though, from mystery. learning from my Spider-Man quiz, to fill the, the gaps of silence while you guys are answering your questions, I've got just some quick yeah. fire facts to fill in that gap. But just before you start on the mm-hmm. quiz, you should mention probably that one of the main things about Doctor Who is the... Um, the Doctor himself, Doctor Who. Oh, don't worry, that'll all be explained over the process. Or the herself. Quiz. Oh, yeah. or herself. Did I say himself? You did. Yeah. Ah, it's either. Boo to me. Nowadays, isn't it? First question then. Uh, okay. What does TARDIS stand for? 
So the TARDIS, for those of you that don't know, is uh, the Doctor Who... The Doctor Who's... The Doctor, who is the Doctor in Doctor Who. It's his spacecraft, which he used to travel through time and space. It's designed after an old uh, police phone box, uh, which were common around Britain in the uh, 60s when the show was first developed. And are now uh, the only one I know of is in Scarborough on the seafront, and I think there's nothing inside it. Have you either of you ever seen a police box out in the wild? No, no I've I seen, haven't actually. Uh, so I went to that um, Winter Wonderland thing recently with my nephew. Yeah. Um, out in uh, God, where even was it? I forget where it was. In the middle of country. Out in Lapland. No, not in Lapland. It was like um, basically there was like a, a hedge maze, a hedge maze, in it. And in the hedge maze, there were two TARDISes. Ah, that's cool. And if one of you was in were, one were TARDIS... Were they actually bigger on the inside? No. Oh. What if... How, how would that work? Well, it's what they're supposed to be. Not a real TARDIS, if it's not. Uh, Doctor hey. Who, obviously, has been going for a very long time. Question two revolves around Ooh. that. There are... one. Uh, sorry, there are 851 episodes as of recording. Wow. How many of those are missing? There are a certain amount of missing episodes. There was actually one that was thought was missing, but uh, a television station in Nigeria still had a copy. Nah, and the I BBC like that. didn't. That's great. This all happened because in the 70s, the BBC used to just get rid of film recordings and have a purge every now and then. So there's hundreds of hours of countless classic sitcoms and TV shows that are just missing now because the BBC used to do that for some reason. The first ever Doctor Who episode was delayed by 80 seconds because of the uh, assassination of JFK. Oh, wow. I did know that. I did know that. Mm. That, was a, that was a good one, that one. That How was. are they linked? <laughs> okay, so some actors considered for the role of the Doctor were James Nesbitt, Robert Carlyle, Bill oh, Nye. Wow. Oh, Bill Nye the science guy? No, Bill, <laughs> Bill Nye the... Oh, Bill Nye. Nye, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, David Walliams. Okay. Henry Lloyd, David Morrissey, Daniel Radcliffe. David Walliams, he's da- been crap. David Walliams, like, had fully Daniel acce- Radcliffe. He'd fully accepted the role and was pretty much gone, definitely going to do it, but then, like, conflict with Little Britain USA meant that he couldn't do it. Oh my god, that's like the shittest so they- reason not to be Doctor <laughs> Who ever. So they got- oh my god! And they got Eccleston, I assume. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, can uh, you imagine being David Walliams? Thank god he has a really successful career writing children's books right now because I would want to die. Uh, Dan Radcliffe, Catherine Zeta Jones, I'd love and John to see Sim. Daniel Radcliffe. Catherine Zeta Jones? Yeah. She'd have been good as hell. John Sim, they were all considered. Okay, but now I'm going to give you six names, three yes. of which were considered uh, for the role. Yeah. For the actual role of the Doctor, no spoofs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and three of which were not. So you're going to get the three that were. Point okay, the three that were. Good. Yeah, out of good, the six. Good, good. The six are Miranda Hart, Russell Crowe, Rowan Atkinson, Randy Orton, Robin Williams, and Stephen Fry. Can you get that again, please? Yeah. Miranda Hart, British uh, female TV personality and comedian. Russell Crowe, Australian film star, um, star of Gladiator. Rowan Atkinson, uh, English funny man, most well known as Mr. Bean. Randy Orton. <laughs> of course, we all know who that is. <laughs> American professional yes. wrestler and definitely think, think. never been asked to be Doctor Who in his life. I don't know, man. Robin Williams, world-renowned uh, phony man. Uh, Genie. Yeah. Um, Jack. <laughs> all sorts. And Stephen Fry. Uh, you know, legend all round. Uh, the term Doctor is a paradox, as in the show, in canon, the Doctor claims to have inspired the term's definition himself as a healer and wise man throughout history. But also he claims to having picked the name because it means someone who makes people better. So it's a sort of weird paradox of did he invent it or did he name himself after that or both? Well, what it really is is a lack of continuity between the writers. <laughs> so you're, you're in the like, wrong show oh, for like, that. Like, you know, half a century. You are, yeah, definitely, as Matt says, in the wrong show for that kind of thing. Uh, which doctor is the only doctor not to have used their own dialect? Who, which is the only doctor to have put on oh, an accent? There's only one. Ooh, oh, I, ooh, I know this. I know this. I know one! Yeah! Yay! I know it. I know it. I don't know Doctor Who, but I know this question. And if you know it too, listeners, high-five me through the speaker. Oh, yeah. 
It, it was a comic relief spoof called The Curse of Fatal Death, <laughs> in which multiple actors played the Doctor. Uh, they could uh, Richard E. Grant, Jim Broadbent, Hugh Grant, and Joanna Lumley yeah. all played the Doctor. Obviously not considered canon. Of course, of course, of course. And then the fifth question and final question. What are uh, the five Doctor Who spin-offs? Oh. oh, bitch, I don't know these. I know, like, one. Well, uh, that might be enough. Might be enough to get there. But yes, that's, that's Doctor Who. I think my favourite episode is the one where they go back and see Vincent van Gogh. It's a very good episode. Enjoy it's quite moving when he... Mm, when Spoiler he... alert. Mm, well, for like a decade... Skip the next minute if you don't want to hear it. They they take him forward in time mm, to see his own the exhibit. impact that he's had after he's feeling quite shit about himself. And yes. he has quite a moving moment. There was uh, some regret oh, that they didn't spin-off. immediately cast the female Doctor after Matt Smith. So for those of you that don't know, this latest Doctor is the first female Doctor. And some people have been calling it for decades. So apparently they wanted to install one in the 80s, but the BBC High Commission were not down on that yet. And they thought that Matt Smith being sort of the most feminine Doctor, <laughs> they could have easily what? transitioned. And that's what, that's what the showrunners thought. But they just got... I think it was uh, Moffat by that time. He just became obsessed with seeing Capaldi in the TARDIS. To be fair, Peter Capaldi yeah. was a good Doctor. Yeah, I don't even. Was. I'm not even that into Doctor Who, uh, but I love Peter Capaldi. I think he's a fantastically active. If any of you haven't seen the thick of it, definitely go watch the thick of it. Uh, but I think he was a great Doctor. Mm. P- My favourite one, Christopher Eccleston, though. Peter Capaldi is the only Doctor in the reboot not to have kissed anyone. Good on him. You don't need a romance. Yeah. For a good story, do you? You don't need to like have some love interest. They actually uh, uh, banned Pertwee, I think it was, from uh, it, like they were never the writers were never allowed to include him touching his female companions, or anything. there was meant to be no sort of intonation of sexual relation or tension or anything mm. in the TARDIS. What John Pertwee? I think it was Pertwee. Yeah. Oh wow, that's, <coughs> that's okay. cool. I mean, he should be. He's a fucking alien. TARDIS. What does TARDIS stand for? So I wrote. I don't know. And then I wrote, mm. Terrific Astral Reactive Diametric Intergalactic Ship. No. Matt? Time and Relative Dimensions in Space. Correct point for Matt there. Do I get the noise? Yeah, you do. Oh. And Joe. Oh, 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 okay, Out of the up. 851 episodes, how many were missing? I'll give you it within five. Oh, well, because I completely guessed this. I had no idea. Go on. I went for 240. 240 of them. 240? I went for three. <laughs> well, I think I know a big chunk of them are Matt, missing. Uh, I mean, Joe is closer. Yeah. There's 97 we're missing. So oh. Both of you there. But I get the point. No, you had to be within I five. I was closer. I said, I said did, you had to be within, say within five. five. Okay, that's fine. That's Elder okay. Uh Which right. three of these six were also considered for Doctor Who? Miranda Hart, Russell Crowe, Rowan Atkinson, Randy Orton, Robin Williams, Stephen Fry. So I put Rowan Atkinson, Miranda Hart and Stephen Fry. Me too. Okay, it was Russell Crowe, huh. Robin Williams, huh. and Randy Orton. Randy Orton. What are you talking about? What, what are you talking supposedly, about, Steve? Supposedly I went Randy for the three because they were the British ones, and I assumed... No. Steven! Rand- Randy Orton was considered for the role. No. Yeah. When? He was never offered the role, when was but he? was considered for the role uh, in the mid-2000s at some point. I don't By know, who? By some random guy? Yeah. But yeah, he's on the list of people that were considered for the role. Randy Robin Orson. Williams was offered the role of the War Doctor uh, in the oh, latest yeah. special I, I that was taken about. over by John Hurt. Robin Williams was a lifelong Doctor Who fan, it turns out. Mm. But uh, I can totally see that because I know he was a lifelong uh, Legend of Zelda fan and all that mm. as well. But Randy Orton? Yeah, what? Russell Crowe was, uh, was um, you know, in contention for it but didn't you know what? go for it. Randy Orton? It's only his 30s, there's still time. There's still time. Randy Orton, if you're hearing <coughs> this, or anyone who works for Doctor Who, if you're hearing this, please make that happen. That I want Randy Orton as Doctor Who As now. the 14th Doctor. Yeah. yeah. The wrestling Doctor. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson was RKOing also... RKOing a Dalek. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Or a Cyberman or something. Uh, Rowan Atkinson was also in the comic relief spoof, The Curse of the Fatal Death. He was the original Doctor in that before he morphed into Richard E. Grant. Randy Jim Orton's Bogdan. TARDIS would yeah. have like a wrestling ring in it. And Stephen so Fry like with the center console in the middle. Stephen Fry wrote two episodes of Doctor Who, oh. but they were never made oh. because he the companion changed and he didn't have time to rewrite it, and so they just scrapped them completely. Oh, 
which doctor is the only doctor not to have used their own voice? I think we probably both got this, didn't we? Go on. Wait, hang on. I'm really worried now. Uh, David Tennant. That's what I thought. Yep. Correcto. Yeah, because he's Scottish and his doctor was English. So yeah. 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 Uh, and question five: the Doctor Who spin-offs, Canine and Company. Wait, hang on a second. Let us read out ours. Okay, go ahead. I've just written out some... Well, uh, did either of us get Kane well, and Company? No, well, I got Torchwood. I yeah. imagine you did yeah. too. Did yeah. you get any others? I also got the Sarah Jane Adventures. Correct. Okay, good. Well, so you, you do yours I, first. I just man. got those two. Because I, I, did, I did Torchwood, which I knew, uh-huh. and then I did a load of funny ones because I don't know. Go on. So, uh, Doctor Who Kids... <laughs> right. That's what the Sarah Jane That's Adventures is. That's what the Sarah Jane is. Adventures is, yeah, uh, basically. Canine Adventures. So Ooh, close. So, well, uh, yeah, because there's Canine well, what and What was it called? Canine? Oh. But then there's, also, there's also a different show just called Canine. Oh. So you've gotten both wrong. So close. Uh, Doctor After Dark. <laughs> That's Torchwood. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Doctor Down Under. Doctor Down Under, I like that. <laughs> no, so we got uh, K9 and Company. K9. Why is it bigger on the inside? <laughs> <laughs> Torchwood. <Fucking> hell, can <laughs> Torchwood, the Sarah Jane Adventures, and Class, which I'd never heard class. of. Class. Oh, oh no, I've heard of Class. I remember Class. That's a recent one. That's isn't after it? our time. I think it was also on CBBC or something, ah. and it was like set yeah, in a school. It's like for and children, it, I think. Torchwood not only was the name of a spin-off, but was also the name of the show when it was in pre-production, so it couldn't get leaked. And it's an anagram and of Doctor Who because it's an anagram of Doctor Who. Mm. The entire season two twist. Do you know how the the iconic, you know, of the TARDIS sound of morphing in that? He got that <coughs> brilliant, brilliant reconstruction of it yeah. just from your two's mouths. The you ra- get the idea. Yeah, the Radiophonic Workshop did that by sliding a key down a piano wire and then uh. messing around with it back in the 60s. Going, a key is in a house key, not a piano a house, key. Yeah, it's in a house uh. key, yeah. So, in the 1996 film, am I right in thinking uh, it was Paul McGann? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, that's fantastic. So, Richard E. Grant played the doctor in the comedy relief thing you were talking yeah. about paul mcgann played it in the uh the film that people did they consider it as canon yeah they yeah. do now yeah okay but it, it's like it, have you seen Wibnell and i yeah because those are the two main guys from that and i do generally so they, they consider everything's from the first doctor to be canon all right well great but well, he makes appearances in the new shows like cgi so oh, like, oh yeah. that's cool well have you seen Wibnell and i uh yeah once at yours very drunk Oh wow! Well, we need to. I remember them being on the motorway for a bit. And <laughs> watch it now. There is a bit when they're on the motorway. Shenanigans in their apartment. Shenanigans occur. Yeah, it's a great film. Great, yeah. great film. But uh, yeah, two Do- two Doctor Who's Doctor and the two roles. But yeah, so that that's I think on Doctor Who. Well, you, you know, what did you think? Because I know you're quite a bigger Doctor Who fan than I am. Yes. Of, of Doctor Who, like you actually o- overall. Yeah. What do I think of it overall? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty delightfully British. It's very cheesy. You have to like accept a lot of that. When you're a fan of it, it's really yeah. easy to make fun of and criticise. Would you call you're, you're it? Either with it or you're not. Would you call it like the British equivalent of like Star Trek? We call that like an apt comparison Especially... in, ter- in terms of its like its size and scope. Hot, hot take, yeah, because yeah. especially nowadays since the reboot, they've got it going worldwide. Americans love it. They, you know, a lot of American geeky American people. You ask them about Britain, they'll be like, "Oh, Doctor Who," and yeah, the yeah. Uh, the bat-eared listeners of you will remember <sighs> that me and Joe both work at an escape game, and uh, <laughs> there is a, a multinational corporation called Escape. Hunt is it? Escape Hunt. Yeah, and they have got the license for the official Doctor Who escape game. Ah, that'd be fun. It's like 30 quid a person. Yeah. Do you guys have it at your... No. no. <laughs> we don't have the rights or the room or the anything. Oh, all the time, cool. all the staff. It, it's a really inventive show. Yeah. Um, I like how they set, you know, they sort of set things for themselves. Like for the first season under Eccleston, a lot of the complaints in the past were that it looked shoddy. Like all the special effects were crap yeah so they didn't have the whole of eccleston he never leaves earth no very un- well according to on a space research, station yes but as in like they don't show do they show like space and stuff with the cgi a bit I in mean, the he... space station uh, i heard they reeled it back a, a considerable amount because of that was one of the main he's criticisms. not hopping all over alien yeah. worlds definitely i not. remember that eccleston episode where he met like the devil in like giant fire form. Yeah, that's a classic. Oh yeah, I remember that. That's I guess they did. Or was it things. the devil? Or just what some really it? weird alien? Oh god, I don't know. It was a good one though. Mm. I remember when they showed that at my boarding school. They were like, "Now this does have some themes <laughs> <laughs> about Satan." Yep. 
no, they actually did. They actually were like, okay, we're going to warn you about this. Because like, Satan's here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not real Satan. Or is it? Ooh. Ooh. Damn, DVD player's not working. Uh, <laughs> the the, the iconic last... theme tune. That's the X-Files, isn't it? Oh, God, it is, isn't it? Sorry. No, how does Doctor Who go? Remember when we saw Orbital when they did that line? Yeah, that was good. Orbital were great. Here is a song that we all know the tune of. Oh. Goodbye, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Chamber of the Elders. We'll see those gorgeouses soon. Yes. Chamber of the Elders.